All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. So how's it going? How was your week? Look who's leading the podcast. Sorry. Wow. I should have just taken the passenger seat. <laughs> uh, Batman to the Batcave. Sounds wrong. Um, I'm fine. My week's okay. It's long. It's rainy. Doesn't feel Christmassy. Here it is December. Mm, I'm true. inundated with Christmas all day. Yes. You've had, yeah, you're right. This is the first year where I haven't really had that. Yeah. So okay. It feels more like. Like by the time I got like December kind of snuck up on me, right? Which is almost impossible for you. It's like, well, that's true. Oh my God, yeah, no, it didn't sneak up on me. In fact, it feels to me like the Christmas season crash landed more this year than ever before. Yeah, like twelve oh one November twelfth, right? Christmas baby, please come home. Yeah. <laughs> but what I've noticed is that stuff doesn't get ruined for me by overexposure to it yep. within the context of being on the radio. It just doesn't have an effect on me when on the radio. And so, like, this is true all year round. I can hear Rocket Man every single day in that radio studio, and it's like elevator music to me. I yeah, feel nothing. Right. But then I can hear it out in the world or in a movie or in a restaurant, and I'm like, this song rules. And you're like, Rocket Man. Yeah. yeah. Or an example of that happening recently was I heard Sinead O'Connor, Nothing Compares to You, right. in a restaurant, and I was like, this song slaps so hard. Totally. But I do play it on the radio kind of often. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and sometimes it's a different sound system. It's like when you hear, uh, like, when the levee breaks in Argo. Yeah, and you're oh, yeah. you're in the movie theater and you hear it, and it's like, bum bum cats, bum bum cats. Well, yeah, bum, 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 scat. And, and you're like, oh my god, this is like a powerful friggin' rock song here. Let's go. Right, and I don't know what Ben Affleck's um, inspirations are, but like, I feel like that's just a child, a love child of the school of Soderbergh and and Scorsese. Right. Who have, both have fabulous ne- needle drops in their movies. Totally. Yeah. Speaking of fabulous needle drops with uh, Scorsese, have we talked about the dead? Was I, were we talking yeah, about that last Yeah, because you divulged that you're actually low-key a, a dead. Right. Okay, yeah. cool. That'll have some some good ones, probably. I, I started thinking on a run yesterday, is Jonah Hill going to like completely learn how to play guitar? Because he kind of has to. I mean... Yes, because he really fancies himself quite the serious actor, right? Like, that's what Leo would do. It is what Leo would do. And I, I totally think, like, Jonah Hill's already taking, like, guitar lessons for... It's also becoming, like, industry standard, right? Like, famously, uh, Gosling learned to play the piano, like, pretty well for, yeah. for La La Land. And just now, uh, Andrew Garfield, like, immediately mm-hmm. went into year-long vocal lessons so that he could be Jonathan Larson. Yeah. And, like... Bradley Cooper. Oh, ex- that's a really good example. Like right. that guy completely transformed who he was yep. to be like an authentic rock star. And that song's like genuinely a radio hit for all of time. Yeah. So yeah, I could see like Jonah, but it's really hard to imagine Jonah with like a soulful voice. Yeah. And the funny thing is he like Jerry kind of has like a kind of like high, like almost not even like a, a soulful voice. Right. Just kind of like a vibey like. Higher. Like I don't think singing was his true talent. Is that right? He's was, not like a one of the great singers. No, no. He was he was more um, more just kind of like guitar players, like guitar aficionado. Okay, would be his big. See, I don't even know thing. this much. Like yeah. Jerry Garcia is the name from the Grateful Dead that I recognize, but is he not like the lead singer, or is no. it just they're just like a big orgy of music because they're the essential jam band? No, the the lead singer would be Bob Weir. Who's yes. like who I also started wondering like who's gonna play Bob Weir? I started thinking about uh this last night. I'm like, it's gonna be someone like I don't I don't even know who you would get for that. 
I see. I don't know if, what 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 body type is a is a Bob Weir like relatively fit and like like. So uh, do we get like Bernthal? Like who are the Scorsese guys of the modern age? Yeah. Um. Who could? Who would be in that sort of? He's kind of like kind of pretty, like compared okay. to the rest of the band. He's like almost like a like a boyish looking person, whereas everyone oh, else, okay. everyone else was like hardcore, like hippie looking. See, Damon's pretty and boyish, but he's probably too old for for this era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I don't think quite the right fit. I'm trying to think of who would be like a like honestly like Bill Hader would even be more of a fit. Oh, interesting. Then the kind of like the boyish look, but like what about Mulaney? Mulaney, no, not an actor but like what if he tried Mulaney would actually like yeah fit that prototype okay like you could see a picture of bob weir wearing like a polo shirt and kind of like short shorts and mm. holding a guitar on stage and he's kind of got like a bit of like a comb over sometimes he's got like mid-length hair there's also something about Mulaney that seems to me like that would be up his alley like i know he's more steely dan than grateful dead but like it seems like that's probably in his ilk yeah his wheelhouse yeah i think it would be i think it would be a difficult for him to play like, cause, yeah. cause he's kind of like a chill guy. Like, all right. Wait a second. Do you love Dave Matthews band or detest Dave Matthews band? I love Dave Matthews band. I knew you were one or the other. And in fact, on, a lot of people list. are. Yeah. Um, but that makes, I was going to say, if, wait a second. If you really hate Dave Matthews band, how can you be a grateful dead fan? That doesn't make yeah, sense to me. No, no, I, I, they're on my bucket list to see for sure. You haven't seen Maybe. them at like one of those festivals or something? No, weirdly. And, and they play, um, Maine like every year, like Bangor, Maine. So it's doable. It's very doable. Like and and I have friends who've seen Dave like eight to twelve times. Yeah, but I've just never never gone to it. What say you to the Dave Matthews Band detractors, the people who really fancy themselves academic about their music tastes, who who because you know what that's true. Like some people really have a problem with Dave Matthews. Yeah, they find it too like uh, cloying and 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 goofy. Yeah, maybe a little too like pedestrian or something, but. But I'm like, I, I don't know. There's a lot of artistry behind like the stuff that like Tim Rent. All, all I would say to them is listen to like live at Radio City Music Hall. Yeah. Um, and it would be really, you'd be hard pressed to walk away from that concert and be like, yeah, they're not really like talented or they're like sellouts or something. Like they were doing something interesting in the time. Well, is that the argument to be made that like Dave Matthews is some like 90s version of Chad Kroger? Because that couldn't be less true instrumentally yeah speaking. exactly and and i th i'm i'm not sure if it's if it's that or if it's just sort of the following that he was able to to sort of gain okay um i think that might be part of it too it's like one of those hate the fans thing exactly. and by proxy hate the artist exactly oh, that's weird i i think it's kind of that that's too bad it's seen as like you know very bro-y too when i took guitar lessons from 14 to 17 ish uh my guitar teacher, who's a great teacher, he was a mega Rush fan, which is also a real type of music yep, fan. Yeah, totally. And, um, and a, a type where people would be like, they either suck or they're awesome. Yeah. And he was a big Dave Matthews fan because he recognized the inventiveness of, of Dave Matthews, specifically totally. as a rhythm guitar player. Like, mm -hmm. there are not a lot of, like, big superstars who do a lot of interesting things with their rhythm guitar playing. Yeah. But Dave does that. And so like one of his ways of upgrading me beyond playing like three chord songs was let's try out crash into me, which was a song I didn't really know cause I was 15. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was really hard. Yeah. And I still play that opening riff as like one of the more challenging, uh, hand positions that I'm capable right. of. Yeah. And, and a lot of like, finger picky stuff that's very like and riff stuff that's just like especially you listen to like under the table and dreaming his yep. like first major like ants marching and stuff um yeah. 
it is that has a ton of just like song starts and there's just like a a lick to like kick it off Mm -hmm. and then it's a couple strums and then another lick like it's a difficult thing to play i'm flashing back to uh an obscure and definitely pedestrian uh favorite dave matthews culture moment of mine which is in the the final act of mr deeds when he's sad and the song is where are you going by dave matthews oh wow (laughs) it's like he's like in the rain and he realizes he's been like wronged by a bunch of people and it's like where are you going no is, is that the the like final scene of the show of Mr. Deeds? Yeah, like the, the Adam oh, Sandler Mr. Movie. Deeds. I was thinking of Mr. D, the Jerry, oh, the Jerry D, D, show. D show. And I was like, I didn't know you were like a, a D hit. No, no. They don't pull Dave Matthews songs in Mr. D. Right. But I do think that they're... That's another thing. Sometimes I find like, you know, um, like I think Crash Into Me. Like I had a friend who went to a, a concert recently. He was like, yeah, he didn't play Crash Into Me. That's irresponsible as a performer. They've got a big catalog too. And like... To me, sure. I, to me, I wouldn't go to see Crash Into Me at nope. all, and and that's kind of what I told. I was like, oh man, like they had they put on some sweet songs though. Maybe, it was like it's like a thirty song set list. Maybe he's the exception to the rule because his fans are so specific and and avid. Yeah, I think more jam bands would do that. Like, but I you still know, not think necessarily like play the hits. Who was I hearing talking about it? Uh, not so long ago somebody like it might have been like a taylor swift or an ed sheeran i think it was ed sheeran doing an interview for his new album he was saying like i understand like i i don't have the the luxury of not playing shape of you for the rest of my life and that's a small price to pay yeah and i think most gigantic artists have a couple of those songs and again really small price to pay but the alternative to not playing them when you are in a position where you don't want to play them anymore is to like change them. And that's almost worse. So Mm. I have two examples of that. Counting Crows. Uh, Counting Crows is one of them. Mm. And I was in the box and the way the amps were positioned already wasn't a good acoustical experience. And I like the Counting Crows like a ton. Yeah. Um, And another thing that jumps out at me is like he does the two like radio songs that he played. And I know some like Counting Crows album cuts, but the two like songs that everyone in the room knew were Mr. Jones mm-hmm. and Long December. Long December was like pretty faithful to track. Yeah. But he plays this weird version of Mr. Jones, which is a high energy song. Right. <laughs> My enduring memory is this woman was in the box with us and I didn't know her, but she got really excited when he starts to play Mr. Jones and she's she's really proud to announce that this is her favorite Counting Crows song. Right. This one's my favorite. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't, that's, okay. that is a really uninteresting yeah. take. Yeah. You should sit down. The other example is more egregious was Bob Dylan. And so mm. like he played just the new album, except he played like a Rolling Stone as a reggae song. Right. And that like was such a huge Not disappointment. Land, he also yeah. never once touched a guitar. Oh, wow. Yeah. He, play, he stand, stood at the keyboard the whole night. No way. Yeah. Interesting. No, it sucked. Yeah. Not an interesting thing. No. I suppose. Yeah. Shitty. Um, yeah. I think it's one of those things where like as like a jam band, who has like fun songs there are some like slow songs that just like i could see dave being like i don't want to play crash into me when i could play like you know two-step or like dancing nancy's or something with like i guess but like here's the other thing uh a lot of boyfriends took their girlfriend because they wanted to see dave matthews band and all she wanted was to hear crash into me that could be true but but wouldn't it be likely that there would be like a few cuts that that she would be there for uh, the space between, yeah, potentially, and I doubt like 
I doubt he played the space between. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> no. We'll have to look at the the New York uh, set list that my friend went to. Just uh, first of all, it's an interesting take and in just going like, wow, man, this guy has so many hits because yeah. there were a lot of hits still oh, yeah. played. Satellite is that what it's called? Yep. Satellites. Satellite. Uh, that's really good. Oh yeah, I I like Dave Matthews Band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, we I should guess. Go. Okay, let's, let's go, go to Maine. Maine. <laughs> do a let's, show on the road. Let's do a live show from the... Well, we have like uh, gear that you don't have to plug in anymore, so we totally. could do a Dave Matthews road trip. We could do like a parking lot podcast, like <laughs> we'll, pre-show. We'll tailgate the, yeah. the Dave Matthews show. It would be incredible. This sounds like a blast. It actually would be really funny. This is a natural segue. Mm-hmm. I'm about halfway through Beatles Get Back. Dude, I'm probably in the exact same part. Okay. Where I have 40 minutes left in the second episode. Yeah, okay. You might be maybe a half an hour ahead of me then. Okay. Um, but it's like, it takes a long time to get through it because it's three, like three hour movies essentially. Totally. And I can't watch it like with Jen. Like Jen's got no interest in it at all. Gotcha. So I'm like, I'm not going to subject her to it until she's like ready to go to bed and then I turn it on. Becky's loving it. Man, it's such an interesting... Um, such an interesting thing to watch for a couple of reasons the first is just like in general the the process of creation yeah see like just seeing that happen and the amount of like silliness involved in it too oh what goofballs absolutely like they're like barely getting any oh maybe they're just showing a lot of the silly stuff well but there's a lot of just like them jamming and making up words and john lennon like i mean all the songs are gibberish at first yeah it's, it's amazing how and becky pointed this out it's it's amazing how a lot of artists will write the music and then write the lyrics after but they're writing specifically the syllabic rhythm of the songs before the the words right and so that's very particular we need a two-syllable word before arizona and mm-hmm. so we'll We'll figure out what Tucson. the place is. Yeah, yeah uh, it's one of my favorite parts where John's like, Tucson's not in Arizona. And Paul's like, yes, it is. It's where they make this whiskey. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Like yeah. these silly arguments that lead to like these these perfectly beaded out songs. Yeah. And a lot of attention is paid to uh, Don't Let Me Down, which already kind of exists at the start of the movie. Yeah. And then obviously it's, it's kind of gobsmacking when they create Get Back in real time. Yeah. And that recurs throughout the movie. And nobody's talking for some reason about when Let It Be is just born in the background. Yeah, yeah. It, you just hear the chords. Yeah, you can hear the chords. And like, like other people are like not involved at all at first. It's just like they're having a like business meeting staring at clipboards. Right. And you can hear the start of Let It Be. And then later on, they're trying to get it down on paper. And like John shows up late as he always does. And yeah. he just kind of like throws in a harmony. And it's totally it's cool. It's so cool. And the other thing that I picked up on is there's no like real confrontational aspect to the Beatles. It's actually such a passive, like any of the art, they're just kind of like, even, I don't know if you got to the part where they, they place like a microphone and a teapot. Dude, it feels illegal. I'm like, like, how are we allowed to be listening to this? Yes. Yeah. But but it's not really an argument. It's like, you know, no. I don't think he liked when, when he did that. Right. And we, we could have done it this way. And it's like, but you often take the lead. And there were, and there were times when, when we just had to get out of Paul's way. And Paul's like, yeah, you're right. He's like, yeah. <laughs> they really like, take their lumps. They're totally like, yeah, yeah. And, and I think what we have to do with George, the reason George doesn't like it is because we're kind of like, you know, ganging up. And, <laughs> and they're like, he's like, yeah, but you can't do that either. No, no. I know. Like it's they there's really no with it. argument at all. No, which is nice. They're gentlemen totally. about it. Although I think some of that is like British 
passivity. Like I haven't gotten to this point yet, but my dad was telling me about a part where, or maybe it happened after the fact, something involving Peter Jackson showing McCartney some footage Mm -hmm. of, I I guess it was uh, John and George having a private discussion about like, maybe we sh- maybe the solution to this is to let George record a solo album right. and stay in the Beatles. Yeah. Like he has all these songs that we don't have room for, but like maybe we should let him put them out as a solo artist and then we don't have to break up. Right. And I guess Paul is like really, really doesn't love that. No, he's saddened by it because he's like, I wish somebody had brought that to me. Right. He's like basically like, I wish I knew that that was on the table. Because he would have done some solo stuff too. No, because then we wouldn't have had to break up. Oh, oh, uh, oh! He said this, yeah, in the showing after the fact. Yeah, he's yeah, like, oh, I, nobody said that to me. That would—that's a good idea. I right. wish I'd known. That's the thing. He seems so open to everything. Yeah. Now he is very much like the conductor. Yes. I think like he's kind of trying to keep things in. Well, he's on less heroin than John Lennon. Yeah. He's the one who's like, he's the one who actually knows we have a deadline. Right. Is John? Do you think he's on heroin through that record? Okay. Wow. Oh, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, uh, I've, I've been loving it and it's not even really like a documentary would, would really be like them maybe speaking, but it's really just like edited footage. Like it's just no talking heads footage. Yeah. Yeah. No talking heads. It's just fly on the wall stuff. Totally. And you have to sit through some slow parts to get to the rewards. Yep. But that makes it all the better. I think I like, I don't think it's too long at all. No, no, I, it's well it's it it would be for other bands but it's not for exactly. the greatest band of all time recording their final album of all time it's the last dance for a rock band that's a good point that's yeah. a good way of putting it and also like we have the luxury of of hindsight too mm-hmm. like so it's it's very confusing to us that these masterpieces are created and people are kind of like unmoved by that yeah but also like it hasn't been 50 years of that being no, the greatest pop song ever yet. over time yeah yeah, yeah absolutely I, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, there were times where I thought like, maybe I'm not going to like this. And now I'm just fully into seeing how this gets made. There's some pretty surreal moments too, where they actually say like, what are people going to think of this in 50 years? Like they say 50 years at one point, at one point, Paul, it might be in the teapot scene. He very sadly says, you know, someday we'll be over all this and we'll all agree on everything and we'll just sing songs together. And it's really sad because you know that's not true. Yeah, you're you're so right. And even the this stuff when they are kind of like arguing heavy, and I say that in quotations because it's like George just kind of gets up and he goes like, oh, I think I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then they're like, yeah, like <clears throat> Yoko is like, you know, the whole kind of legend of Yoko breaking up the band. Yeah. But really Paul's like kind of, chill with yoko yeah. the whole time like he's she's not really in the way she's she's, she's clingy. very there they're both oh, clingy God, yeah. she's eating that big stack of toast right <laughs> um but like linda's there too yep i'm like really struck by like how how calming linda is i know nothing about about linda eastman mccartney right um and she dies in like 1998 it's also amazing like how many people in this thing are not old enough to be dead yet but are yeah yeah you're right yeah it, it is crazy. Like, all of them look way older than 28, by the way. like they, Harrison's 25. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah he looks like a 40-year-old man. I know. It's so weird. Yeah, they lived fast, I think. 
Well, it was in a time where they were smoking constantly. I think they were still drinking constantly. Oh yeah, I saw somebody tweet about how it's just the best documentary ever featuring featuring chain smoking and fur coats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you get to the part with Billy Preston showing up yet? No, I'm just before it's they great. move studios. I love that. Yeah, I think yeah. that's where we stopped right before they moved to the new studio. Oh yeah, the the new studio is is when things get way lighter clicks in oh that's good yeah yeah it seems like they've kind of resolved it at the point where i'm at yeah what do you think of ringo from this because in addition to it dispelling the yoko broke up the band myth Mm -hmm. i think it also helps to discredit the rumor that ringo's not as good as he is yeah of course i think that's been like really high it's just i don't know how that caught such traction you know what it is is similarly to how people wrongly attribute wise quotes to marilyn monroe in memes on facebook People attribute this quote to Paul McCartney, which is something to the effect of, Ringo's not one of the greatest drummers of all time. He's not even the greatest drummer in the Beatles. Yeah. And I've heard Paul talk about this on Howard Stern. He's like, I never said that. Really? I would never have said that. We wanted Ringo in the band because we couldn't believe how much better at his instrument he was than us. Right. And it's you see that in this. Like he is yeah. he's like a a great studio, like never misses, never falters right. beat keeper. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't, I, and I never really thought that. And I think he's How also could it be true? proficient in other instruments too. Yeah. Like, so. Um, it's funny to me when he starts noodling on a song I'd never heard before, which is like, I'm taking an ocean liner down to Carolina. Yeah. And so like all of his songs are water-based. Yellow Submarine <laughs> and Octopus's Garden right. and Ocean yeah. Liner to Carolina. Yeah. This is so weird, quirky guy. I just love that they'll just start playing random stuff. Yeah. And like laughing while they're playing it. Right. But I'm like, you're wasting so much time. Like you're on a deadline here. <laughs> I know. They wouldn't get anything done without Paul. No. No, you're right. It's really good. Do you see it as something where like in the future you could just put on part two? I feel like watching part two of Beatles Get Back or like maybe I'll just start it at part three and just watch the last two hours. It's hard. To, I think the heads would for sure. Yeah. I don't know if I will, mm. Um, but I think it'll get a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of play. Yeah. But I, no, I don't think I'll turn on part two and just watch it. Uh, I watched the movie 8-Bit Christmas. Okay. We talked about this a little while ago because I saw a trailer. It's it's essentially, it's it's not disguising that it's like the new A Christmas Story. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's like an instant classic that you're going to want to watch every year. Uh, but it's Neil Patrick Harris telling his daughter about what it was like to be 11 in 1988. Yeah. When the only thing every kid in town wanted was a Nintendo Entertainment System. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a slice of life, like little crazy, unreliable narrator adventure about like everything we'll do and like all the wreaths will sell and the the scams will cook up in order to get a Nintendo in the age of parents believing uh, video games corrupt your children. Right. And it was actually sweet and it it gets better as it goes. Um, It's kind of exactly what I wanted Home Sweet Home Alone to be in that it's like an obvious nod to this like nostalgic type of movie for Christmas. Yep. But the kids are genuinely hilarious. And what is this on? It's cute. Crave. On Crave. Yeah, it's an HBO movie. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I'll definitely watch it. Steve Zahn is the dad. June nice. Diane Raphael is the mom. I don't know any wow. of the kids, but they're really good and cool. like it's a good watch. Nice. Yeah. I trust June Diane Raphael. She's always funny. Yeah. She's yeah. good and, and she makes good choices. Right. Yeah. She's married to Paul uh, Shear. Paul Shear. Yeah. yeah. And Succession. You want to talk about Kendall's birthday? Oh, my God. It was incredible. I actually, It I was the best one yet. I don't know if you saw the article. I, think, I feel like we've said this week after week, too. Did you see the article rating the songs that were playing at 
uh, oh. Kendall's party. No. Because I went deep on that today. I want really bangers awesome. all the time. This was the first thing I said. I want nothing but bangers. Hey, listen, you can come to the party. Uh, all bets are off. Staff can have fun as long as <laughs> as long as you're cool. You know, like, do there your are job. no boundaries. <laughs> you know, like do your job, but like have a drink. Yeah. <laughs> it was um it was the best episode so far because of how uh, fucking tragic it was. By the Yo, end of it, he yeah. just hates rock bottom. He's on an his absolute birthday. husk. Yeah. And this is where you're like, man, this guy, he's obviously like, he's been traumatized. So sad. Yeah. Totally traumatized. Yeah. And they're all traumatized in their own way. And that's why, like, that's why Roman's acting the way he is because yeah, he's Roman's like being so mean. Absolutely yeah. crazy. Like, actually pushing his brother over. Yep. Um, I think Shiv is like, Shiv's going to change sides. I think. Yes, sh- I think you're right. I think it might end up being that maybe Shiv and Kendall do it together or they just maybe they all end up ganging up on their dad by the end or maybe it's like like roman and their dad uh yep i think it's possible i think shiv gives kendall credibility i think that like that gets kendall back like from completely sending this thing up the river totally but she's done such a good job of just showing like in her face how like she's she's also broken second away from just leaving but like to my point about how this is becoming for me the Tom show. I could see this being literally Shiv versus Tom. Yeah, yeah, totally. He's he's there. Yeah, like him not being happy, mm-hmm. although he like just got out of jail. Oh, I know. By God, that quote about like, well, how'd you get Shiv? She's out of your league because I've got a dick <laughs> like a red sequoia and I fuck like a bullet train. <laughs> How about the Greg uh, hitting on the the assistant? That and was then actually getting the date with her. That was so gratifying. It I was. wish I wish that she didn't. He's like, I th- <laughs> I love that he acknowledged that it might have just been like a spite move against Kendall. It that was. She accepted. It definitely was. But yeah. I actually think that it's going to go okay. Yeah, I think so too. I hope so. They're going to run with it. He needs a win. <laughs> he sure does. <laughs> We've just been watching him kind of like flounder. There's only two left. Yeah. <laughs> how funny was it when he just started punch there's only two left i didn't know yeah, that the season yeah uh when he just started he saw that picture of kendall after kendall was horrible to greg oh, like yeah. absolutely horrible to yeah. the point where i was like is greg gonna punch kendall right now yep uh and then he just starts punching the picture of his junk <laughs> uh laugh it's the funniest show on tv it's great i i don't even know if it's the funniest i think oh, it's I do. Like, it's just it's cold hard satire i just think it's so nuanced like i I would say per episode my laugh out loud moments Mm -hmm. are less than a lot of shows well i think that it's it's tragic the way like a lot of like shakespearean royal dramas are tragic Mm -hmm. but like also it's this can you believe the lunacy of these people and how like divorced they are from reality and so like the, you can you can tell the creators of this show are not fans of billionaires. No, for example, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's true. Yeah, that call on the <laughs> that call. I don't want this to be like some asshole's birthday party. Okay, <laughs> that was it's my feeling. That was my like, one rule. It's feeling that... <laughs> like some asshole's birthday party. Tell Connor to take his coat off. Yeah, did you know that he actually had like a dislocated shoulder? Oh, that's no. why they had to write that into the episode. It's a, it a ranch thing. Yeah. <laughs> I had a couple too many shots of whiskey and I started doing like a Highland jig or something. Does he end up in a, like an important role? That, maybe if not president, like does Connor end up like secretary of state or something? I think it's possible yeah. because in the same way that 
they don't love billionaires. I think they don't love anyone in politics. No. Yeah. And like, the whole point is this is all a, a racket. Yeah, there's a there's a an underground system to the way everything works. Right. And it's rigged from the beginning. Uh, a couple show show boners. Um, that's what I'm calling it now, by the way. When we screw stuff up, it's a fact check. It's show show boners. I like it. Um, the movie featuring Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks is called Dragnet. Yes. Um, you're absolutely right. Everything you said about it was true. And I guess I knew it existed, but it never made it into my consciousness. Yeah. It's an interesting one. Uh, and when we were discussing who the most famous person who went to my high school amid our Sidney Crosby conversation last week, yep. I neglected to consider Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> Who's like, who's like the yeah he went to he went to high school with my brother so oh. he's like ross is like probably the third best hockey player in the world yeah and so i did not know that he went there i, I actually thought he was from cole harbor yeah i think he is but he was a moosehead right yeah so yeah mooseheads went oh, to pa oh yeah. interesting that yeah. was it cool mooseheads went to pa oh yeah we had a whole moosehead contingent we had a program and there was this guy whose name was ross actually and he was an old guy yeah and his whole job was corralling the moose heads actually i know the equivalent of that uh my parents good friend is the same thing for the cape breton screaming eagles oh okay yeah gary so he like he like works in the school and he makes sure they get to class on time and he's essentially yeah he's like the educational coordinator yep i think is his title he was a teacher and now he's kind of like i think he's kind of in charge of like making sure these guys aren't shitheads speaking only for uh, the you know the 2008 mooseheads. Half of them were actually kind of like nice guys. Yeah. If, if I ever talked to them, mm-hmm. like lent them a pencil or something. Yeah. And the other half were like, I can't believe that you don't think you're ridiculous. Yeah. You're like you are so cocky. It's it's amazing you're not doing a bit. Like I would be offended if it weren't funny. Yes, yeah. I'd be offended if it wasn't so ridiculous. Yeah, I I remember there was but one. But it worked, I guess, on some people. I actually assumed he was a moosehead, but I'm not sure. I remember there was one party and the cops came and I was like trying to corral this guy out of the house and he was talking to a girl and they were the only people in the living room. And I was like, guys, like people are leaving. Yeah. The cops are here. And the guy was like, do you know who I am? Oh, <laughs> and I was my like, God. Wow, no, clearly no, I don't. No. Like, I don't know how many people know who you are. No. Without your helmet on? Without, yeah. <laughs> without the shirt that says your name on it? Yeah, exactly. No. And even then, probably and he, not. Yeah, right. A little bit of dirt, and I wish that I remember this more specifically, but you're aware that Will Ferrell and Adam McKay are no longer like producing oh, partners? Oh, man, this article was fascinating. I didn't read the article, but I, I guess I get the gist. Maybe you can do better than me, but it was a Vanity Fair interview with Adam McKay yeah. where he's talking basically about how that partnership fizzled and he really takes responsibility for it. He totally takes responsibility for it. I forget at what point. I know what the thing is. I just don't remember what the project was. Essentially, uh, they were going to make a thing and I don't think it was Don't Look Up. No. They, well, the, one of the things was the the like nail in the coffin, I guess. The John C. Riley thing. The John C. Riley thing yeah. for the la lakers show. it was the lakers he's show. playing jerry bus and yeah. uh will ferrell i guess really wanted it and there had already been things where they were diverging on projects yep. um that they i i guess weren't supposed to diverge on mm-hmm. or like adam mckay was like I'm like succession take... for example yeah but like did I, they they're both producers of that show but i don't think they work in the same room together and now we know they definitely don't and and what do they really do for that show Oh God! I like, are know. they consulting? Are they? I think their names just on it. Maybe they. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. But um, but no, there was another kind of inciting incident, I think, and it was like when what was the first movie that Adam McKay made? Big Short. 
Well, or, yeah, sorry, on the his big, own, like, yes. Sort of. Yes, Big Short. That was his first solo movie that was like a serious movie. Yeah. Kind of. And there was like another project that I think they were like, hey, let's work on this. And then Adam McKay kind of bailed. Bison. And... Yeah. They also did, well, they also did like the comedies. Like obviously they did like yes. Ron Burgundy and, yeah, yeah. and Ricky Bobby. Totally. Well, and that was the thing where they were like, let's stay friends through all of this. Right. So Adam McKay is, is doing this Lakers thing, which we've talked about before, because for a little while, Bo Burnham was going to play Larry Bird. It's, yeah. it's that project. And so there was a part that seemingly was going to be Will Ferrell's, Jerry Buss is the manager's name. Yeah. Uh, and because Will's like a producer on it or whatever, they have a partnership, like that seemed like it was going to happen. And then somewhere along the line, Adam McKay decides that it actually would be better if John C. Riley played this. And rather than having a conversation with Will Ferrell, he just gave the part to John C. Riley, and right. then John C. Riley told Will about it. Right. And they haven't spoken since. Ooh. Yeah, that's right. And that yeah. was relatively recently. Definitely. But it seemed like it was on the rocks for a while, and it was it's coming. Too bad. And, and Adam McKay's like, "This is all my fault." And yeah. like, it's kind of a weird story of like, you know, when people are just they need to. Um, kind of be a little they don't need to be but a lot of business people are just a little more kind of cutthroat a little cold yeah. a little colder kind of do what they have to do yeah. to kind of rise to the top it seems like maybe adam mckay is more that guy than like a will ferrell would well, be. he did the succession thing yeah yeah exactly he did what a roy would do that's right that's right and whereas i think will ferrell's maybe a little bit more cousin greg yeah, and I kind of get the sense from Adam McKay, and I like the movies that he's made, and I'm excited for Don't Look Up. But like when you hear him interview or whatever, like, oh, I think you you know that you're smart, right? And I think that you don't you don't you didn't give your Oscar to your mom, you right. know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and just the fact that like he's not doing comedies, like he's not doing like well, sort of, except for that The Big Short and Vice are both they're, they're comedies the way uh, Succession is a comedy. Yeah, I, I suppose you're right. I guess I just mean like he's not making Anchorman anymore. No, no, like no, he's no. not just like, let's just break it up and do something silly. He's like basically going for the Oscar kind of with everything that he's yeah. doing now. His last silly antic movie would have been Holmes and Watson, which was a disaster. Which I guess he, he came in after the fact. Yeah, he didn't direct it. And he said like it was in rough shape. Like he was kind of speaking disparagingly about some of these things too like he yeah. wasn't complimentary about them speaking of just speaking uh, speaking disparagingly about your movie and a movie that uh, you and i disagree on uh if you want to hear somebody do a piss poor job of disguising that they know their movie is bad ellie camp kemper on uh conan's podcast this week oh like, no she's all but saying like yeah this movie's not great so it's, it is what it is <laughs> really she's really funny actually she's just more edgy on conan needs a friend than i thought she'd be interesting yeah because i found like that the last podcast i probably listened to her on was um the pete holmes podcast yeah where they were just very like he 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 sure i can see how that would happen with pete yeah with the right guest, Pete's podcast is my favorite podcast. It's amazing. But that's only one in 20 episodes or less. What's like the most recent one that you dove into that was really good? Uh, let me pull it up. Because uh, I, I don't even have it subscribed anymore because so many of them are a disappointment. And now he does two shows a week and one of them every and single week is wife. with his wife. Um, Bradley Cooper on Armchair Expert was a must listen. I don't it was really it. it was really good. It was a little inside for me. Like, yeah. And to be fair, I've, oh, because I have this weird thing where I don't give Dax the benefit of the doubt, as you know. Mm -hmm. And like, he's often talked about how he's friends with Cooper. Oh, has he mentioned that? He's mentioned it lots. And I'm like, are you though? 
And they are genuinely very good friends. Yes. And there's like an emotional ending to the conversation. Totally. And almost kind of like a sad, which I think kind of turned around, but like... Well, Cooper was just like, he was very heartened, I think, by yeah. something Dax said. Oh, Malcolm Gladwell on Pete Holmes like three weeks ago. That was No really way. Good. Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, I would like that. Yeah, you definitely would. Paul Walter Hauser was kind of interesting. He's uh, he's the actor who played Richard Jewell. And he's in like oh, yeah, yeah, Cruella yeah. and, right. and the... Uh, I, Tanya. I, I, Tanya, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so just like Once in a Blue Moon, he has a really good guest. And I've it's the podcast I've been listening to the longest. Cool. Did Malcolm Gladwell, was he like like kind of a fan of pete holmes or was Maybe there not specifically that... pete holmes they talk a lot about mike berbiglia for whatever reason oh okay um you know like malcolm gladwell's whole thing is just accessibility like being yeah. ridiculously smart about about the human condition while also like being grounded yeah and so like that's it's always cool to listen to him talk totally i love one of the things that ingratiates malcolm gladwell so much for me is like i totally didn't expect it and he's like i am a car guy <laughs> yeah <you're, laughs> like, he loves whoa, race what? cars i think yeah he's like and and to more to the point like he he loves like the golf r which is such oh. a, he's like it's such a specific like but it's got so much power <laughs> it's got everything you want in a car honestly it's like a little hatchback like volkswagen golf right but with like a jet engine inside of it it seems to but me you that see them around. there was a time where you were working on a malcolm gladwell uh, yeah, that was that was me. Like I am a. I hear but it I a little bit in there. I, I can't quite get it. I can hear it perfectly in my head, like so well, but I just can't quite get it out. You were going to come back to us with a Paul Rudd, but I, I suspect that that never occurred. No, to you. that never occurred to me at yeah. all. Completely forgot about it. Yeah, I honestly, barely remember that. That would be hard. I'd love to see somebody do a good Paul Rudd. I don't even know where you'd find it, where you'd locate it. No. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere in my amygdala. A bunch of season two stuff. Uh, Pen fifteen ending after season two. Yeah. Is it, hasn't season two happened already? Basically, it's one of those goofy things where part one of season two and part two of season two are like a year and a half apart in oh, hearing schedules. okay. I, I find that so ridiculous. Yeah, because it was like last year that I saw. Absolutely. Um, and this is good. I mean, as long as they get to like finish their project in a mm -hmm. cohesive, conclusive way, I'll be happy because like they can't play 13-year-olds forever. No. And also the gimmick is kind of done, but I actually do think that that's one of the sweetest shows ever. Uh Kevin can F himself ending after season two. Yeah, that's smart. I, obviously, Kevin didn't die at the end of season one, and that drives me crazy. Yeah, interesting. It drives you crazy? Yeah, I just knew that. I was like, I don't want to watch the show. I don't want to see where it no. goes. No, I mean, I was never going to watch it anyway, but like, I remember when that show got announced. I remember thinking, that's a cool idea. That's yeah. edgy and good for Annie Murphy. Let's see what's next for her. Mm -hmm. And that was what's next, but I don't know what's next next because... Yeah. Now she's got to start looking again. I think I think that show needs to be like a five episode arc. Yeah, just a one off. Yeah, uh, and Cara Delevingne going to be in season two of Only Murders in the Building, which yeah. like that sounds right. And so, same cast with Cara Del Delevingne. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, uh, Stephen Sondheim died. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he died last Friday. He was ninety one. Okay. So like he was old. Yeah, old, old, old. But. Uh, unquestionably one of the most influential uh, American theater people. What ever. are his big three musicals? Uh, Sweeney Todd. Okay. Uh, Sweeney Todd 2. <laughs> no. <laughs> this time it's it's personal. This is a Jade. We haven't heard from Jade in a little while, so maybe she can help us with this. But I'm going to say, and she can say whether or not she agrees. Sweeney Todd, 
maybe into the woods. Okay. Yeah. Merrily we roll along. Gotcha. And he wrote the lyrics for West Side Story. Oh wow. It's a good That's, resume. That and, alone would be a And I'm probably maker. forgetting a couple. Because yeah. like very, very big deal. Nice. Yeah. Jade, when you do the explain when you explain a thing, make sure you tell us your favorite and why. Okay. We want right. to know. Uh a little Jeopardy news. Matt Amodio, the superstar from a little earlier this season, yeah. and Amy Schneider, who's the current champion, yes, uh, both would very, very clearly appear to be in Ken Jennings' corner. I saw that, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I think it gives like the, like you're asking the pros, and yes. and also if you ask James, like James would say Ken Jennings, wouldn't he? Holzhauer? Yeah, I don't know. He hasn't played with. He played with Alex. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, but I think like, yeah, we're, he knows Ken and, and like every, I've, I've said this before, but like, it is truly a miracle that on top of Ken's championship, he's a good broadcaster. Right. That's like a different skill yeah, set. He's actually entirely. charismatic. He's so good at it. Yeah. It's completely not awkward and natural. Mm-hmm. And he feels like a part of the Jeopardy institution. Right. Now. And Maya Bialik feels like left field. Right. And Jeopardy fans all seem to agree that this should be Ken's to lose. Yeah. And Jeopardy's. Jeopardy is going to be so proud to tell us that it's Mayim full time and they're going to feed us some lie about how it's what their testing showed overwhelmingly. Right. Greg didn't want it. Uh, no, he actually said he wanted it. Yeah. Jennings. Yeah. Ken Jennings. Yeah. No, I know. And yeah. And, and so Matt Amodio had said that his only regret from his, his long run was not getting to play under Ken Jennings. Mm-hmm. I mean, Amy Schneider, who's been playing amazingly lately, she's the first ever out trans person uh, to be a five-time champion on Jeopardy. In fact, I think maybe to be a champion at all, but now mm-hmm. she's qualified for Tournament of Champions. Wow. Yeah. So uh, they're great. Ken's great. And I've made it very clear. I want him to be the host. Your team Jennings. Kobe Smulders going to play Maria Hill yet again in a Marvel series called Secret Invasion. We're going to talk more about the MCU a little bit later, but yeah. um, amazing that that character has had as many legs as it has i saw that and i was like is it gonna be like an hbo show or no it's <laughs> or a like disney plus show disney plus show yeah. that, i mean that i think that's a better vehicle than um special agents of of what's it called agents of shield agents of shield just seems so like hacky yeah i don't know i never watched it i think i think it had a following the way everything did, marvel yeah. does but it was on network tv which is what was weird about it like you watched it and it just felt kind of like well, Fake. yeah. And uh, like Disney Plus, the Disney Plus prestige Marvel shows, it's easy to forget that they're not like the first Marvel TV shows. Right. And not just Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like we've done podcasts in this series about Netflix MC like Daredevil shows. and Luke Cage and Jan- uh, Jessica Jones. Is that? Yeah, who? yeah. There's a whole like, like, there's like a six episode. Iron Fist. There's a whole thing yes, that they right, want us Iron to Fist. forget. Yeah. And it's it's there. It's real. I was team Iron Fist. Were you? I was on board with Iron Fist. I think Fist. people hated Iron Fist. I only watched the first episode, I think, but okay. I remember it standing out to me. Uh, this week, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia begins their 15th season, marking uh, their new spot atop long-running sitcom Mountain. They are mm-hmm. officially the longest-running live-action uh, comedy series on TV ever. And now, something that will catch your ire, also atop the podcast uh, Mountain. They have a podcast now? The, yeah, the the three guys from uh, It's Always Sunny have a podcast. And it's like blazing up the charts. <sighs> I'm sure it is. Well, that's fine. What I can't understand is why they want to do more It's Always Sunny. 
Like imagine you've been on the same sitcom for 15 years and it's a well-oiled machine and it pays the bills and it's a thing you care about because you were there for its genesis and like, this is fun. My friends are here. Let's keep doing this show because it's still good. But like, would you want to like add a new responsibility to your- Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think it's like they were probably offered a ton of money from iHeart or whatever. And then they were like, you know what? It's fun. And it actually does work. Like they're- like Jen was laughing at the the workaholics guys podcast the other day while I was driving. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? It is fun. Like there's a natural chemistry when you sure. have three friends that are just like, and, and it's, and they're like knowing that they're actually friends. They're not just like coworkers. Yeah. Makes it so much funnier. Uh, McElhenney is still doing the show where he's the uh, video game guy. Yes. Let's do another one. Yeah, but there it, at this point, it's it's like um, curb your enthusiasm. Yeah, you can do other stuff. The, you and do another series whenever you or do another um, season whenever you want. Sure. Like I don't know when season fourteen was, but it certainly wasn't last year. I oh, don't is think. that right? I think it's like whenever we want to do it, we'll just pump out another one. I watched a bunch of AP bios and then I kind of had my fill. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if Charlie Day still has the budding movie career that he once had. No, I suppose things have kind of—I don't know. He's—he's. He's, um, he's going to be in the Super Mario movie. He's going to. He's going to be in the Super Mario movie. Be Toad or something. Yeah, I think he could. Um, I think a cool thing for him would be to do like a succession style show, or just like a, six, oh. a more serious, like an Adam McKay vehicle. He was supposed to break out in the Louis C.K. ill-fated movie that nobody ever saw. Oh. I, I love you, Daddy. Right. That's a hit. Nope. No, I mean like it's a hit to his. It's at the groin. Yeah. 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 I wonder if that's like available online or anything. Not that I'm so keen to see it because the moment's passed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Charlie Day. I'm sure we could have a a day assance. Anything else you want to, anything else you've been watching? No, I don't think so. Wasn't a particularly interesting week. Uh, um, The Beatles consumes all your time. The Beatles took up a lot of time. I did finish... You know what we watched? We watched Shang-Chi. Oh, okay. Shang-Chi was okay. It was, um, I loved the first half of it. Mm-hmm. Like, really, really liked it. And then the second half, yeah, it really, like, ticked the boxes of, like, the classic Marvel, okay, now we're at the point where you need to face the boss and everything's gonna, like, there's gonna be a lot of CGI. Yeah. And then we're, and then, like, the last, like, three minutes of the movie, you really like again. You're like, oh, I like that we're just back to like the normal life. And, you know, there's like a, a, a phantasmic sort of uh, sort of like mystical feel to it. But it's not necessarily like CGI in your face all the time. When was the theater run for this movie? I feel like I blocked it out. It was short. Yeah. Um, I think it was like for like a month in October. Wow. <laughs> Maybe September. Yeah, because like Eternals is is more recent than that, and yeah, we've already definitely. moved past that. Definitely, yeah, yeah. No, it was a it was a good watch. Like I think you would like it. Yeah, it was a, actually Aquafina is like the second hand in it. I remember that. I did not. I did not realize that. I remember that. Watching. That helps me place it a little bit better in our time. Yeah, yeah. And and we, I like that. There was a few things that I liked about it that make it original that I don't necessarily want to spoil. Okay. But um, one of the things that I liked to begin with was that it was just kind of like more fight scenes a la like Black Widow. 
Yeah, I still have to watch that too. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like that it didn't kind of play the classic trope of like um like mischievous ne'er do well comes up from nothing and now has all this yeah that and also like spider bites man man gets incredible power it wasn't like that what is his power that's the thing he was like kind of like he he kind of starts the show he's friends with aquafina he's a uh starts the movie he's friends with aquafina he's a um uh, a bus boy okay and uh or not a a valet Hmm. and then all of a sudden they're they're on this bus and someone approaches him for like his pendant and he's like, no, he's with Aquafina. And like, she's like, dude, like Sean, be careful. Like what? Just give him what he wants. And then he starts fighting him and she's like, what am I seeing here? They've been friends for like a decade and oh. he's like an incredible, like, so he's already had this. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's what I love. Like Jen yeah. and I were both like, whoa, this is awesome that he just like always had this. And for the first, like, 15 minutes of the movie you don't know about it do you get a backstory eventually yeah you end up you getting must, the backstory yeah. like he has to explain it to aquafina and stuff and um but i just like that it and it it's not like a uh there's no like mysticism in in his like fight skills that's good there's yeah. so much of that now although the- there there ends up being a lot added to that sure which so he ends up essentially being like a mystical fighter in the end but He's got that talent. Is there some story about like a, a relative who died? No, no, no. It's um like his dad is <laughs> like a thousand year old warrior. Oh. And then meets his mom who's like a... So uh, his dad did die a thousand years ago. No. Okay. He's still alive. Oh, wow. All right. Because he's got these these five rings. He has the gift. Oh, okay. The five rings basically like grant you unlimited power and like he's been like an emperor and he's now he's like a billionaire five times over cool and so he met his wife who's kind of like a like a woods fighter Hmm. (laughs) like right like she's from this uh, like sort of majestical land that he sometimes somehow finds his way to um and they end up falling in love after fighting and then have two kids and she moves away and so they live in like in... You're not giving away the movie too much, are no. you? No. Okay. No, I don't think so. Good, good. Uh, anyways, that's that's pretty much it. Speaking of the MCU, mm-hmm. we got a show to recap. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Whose turn is it? Mine? Uh, I think I chose first last week, and only one person has to recap this week. So if you want me to handle it, I can I can do my best, or or you can do it. Um, I'm down to, I watched it last Friday. Oh, I watched it last night. Okay, let's let's save okay. save the listener. Do you want there, to time uh, me? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, I watched it last evening. This is uh, this is Hawkeye, obviously, uh, which has been out for a couple of weeks now. Uh, what the fourth uh, MCU show at this point? I guess. Yeah. Hey, you've watched them all. Have you seen every episode of Falcon Winter Soldier, One yep. Division, and and Loki? Yep. Wow, you are quite versed in the MCU. I'm nothing if not versed in the MCU. You've you haven't missed anything though, like especially since like Disney Plus and the pandemic, you you catch it all. I actually think I've seen every MCU movie, and like for a while that seemed like, uh, like I was like, oh, I'm not going to see Ant Man. I've seen all the Ant. I've seen everything at this point. Right, Shang Chi. You've even seen Shang Chi. Yeah, okay. I haven't seen Eternals. I'm going to recap the first episode of Hawkeye. All right, we're gonna go Hawkeye in three. 
We begin in 2012 when uh, a little girl is living with her parents in like a skyscraper and there's a big explosion related to some kind of Avengers Age of Ultron kind of situation uh, and her dad dies. And then we flash forward to the present day where she uh, is kind of a little vigilante of her own and she has a bow and arrow. And also um, Clint Hawkeye is post the events of Endgame and uh, misses uh, Natasha quite a bit because she died during Endgame. <laughs> And I've run out of time already. That was a fast 30 seconds. Um, and so he's kind of living apparently with like a lot of trauma from everything he's experienced as an Avenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, uh, uh, Haley Steinfeld is a budding superhero, kind of like wanting to look out for her mother who might be taken advantage advantage of by like mafioso type people because her mom's quite wealthy. Yep. She uh, infiltrates the wait staff of this hoity-toity uh, gala at a mansion uh, makes her way into the exclusive wine cellar auction where some guy's like selling off uh, a bunch of gear, which is it's Hawkeye gear, but it's Ronin gear because he that was his like alter ego yeah. amid the blip. So like his sword and his uh, costume and everything. Uh, then there's another big explosion during which... Uh, Haley Steinfeld steals Ronan's uh, outfit and then she kind of tries herself to be a, a bit of a vigilante See, superhero. This is what I, I forgot about who Ronan was. We were like, who's Ro- like, is do you he remember like, in Endgame when, yeah, he's in like Japan and he has, and like, he's like, he just has hill in mofos. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, yeah, I forgot that he, because they don't touch on it very much. No. Well, I think it's easy to forget because we're not that invested in Hawkeye right. until now, I yeah. guess. Um, and then in, it, very quickly, she's like in over her head and she's running from gangs. Yeah. And last minute of the episode, um, because Clint has seen her on TV, yeah. um, he goes and rescues her and he's like, what the hell? Yeah. And also it's Christmas in New York. Right. It's kind of interesting that it's like a Christmas show. Yeah. I love that. It's yeah. a Christmas show. I like that too. I don't really understand why, like what's happened. Why are they in New York? Did they explain that at all? He's just like at the musical with his family, but not his yeah, wife. Yeah, maybe it's just like a family vacation because you're right. They live on a farm. Yeah. And we do cut back to Linda Cardellini, but he's there um, with his kids. And when they're at the restaurant, they're on the phone with mom. And she's like, this whole trip is supposed- so you can spend some time with your kids because he takes them to oh, a, a okay. Broadway show, which is Rogers the Musical. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Which is like the Avengers. Yeah. And he finds it triggering, but yeah. like everyone else is into it. Right. I, it was funny. I thought it was a, a hilarious, like a little self-referential and kind of laughing at itself, yes. which is good. Yeah. But he's like quite dark. He's always been dark, I suppose. He is. I, um, we were, <laughs> we were I said at one point while I was watching the show, I was like, is Jeremy Renner a good person? And then I Googled, <laughs> is Jeremy Renner a good person? And uh, it's a loaded answer, eh? It's a loaded answer. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Okay, well, I'd love to hear some stuff because really my only frame of reference is that he has like a shitty band. So like, no, his, his I like the first thing I read was like his wife filed for divorce and also like threatened her life while like putting a gun in his mouth or something. And she claimed, she claimed that he was like, this is in like 2019. She claimed that he was like coming back from the club, like from the club like drunk and like on coke and stuff 
Yeah. That is not family-friendly Disney content. No, certainly not. Wow. And, and so, anyways, I don't know, but, like, I couldn't watch the show without kind of thinking of that stuff. But also, like, I've seen him on, like, a home improvement show where he's, like, renoing a house. I don't, like, I don't know where I land with Jeremy he Renner. He doesn't have, like, obviously he's missing some kind of X factor that makes him, like, uh affable the way paul rudd is well didn't he have his own app at one point <laughs> he had the jeremy renner app like yeah. sign of a crazy person i think maybe right? he's delusional about his fame although he is an avenger yeah but he's also the worst avenger but i don't even know if he was an avenger at the time yeah oh yeah well no the app thing wasn't that long ago and neither was the band okay the and band was involved in car commercials too right yeah and he uh i mean he looks like he's had a drink every day of his life <laughs> Like, yeah, in this show, a, yeah. he does not look like a like a young superhero man. He's no Paul Rudd. No, there's a very silly thing where he re- is revealed to be Ronan in uh, Avengers Endgame, and he has like a fade. His his haircut is right. very dumb. That yeah. for some reason just came to my brain. But he like kills mofos as as Ronan. It's also not very Avengers appropriate. No, no, he yeah. You, there's some blood spray. Kill Bill esque. But I like. If they're going to start to reckon with some of the uh, destruction that the Avengers caused, because this is a, and this is not a very interesting opinion. Other people have said this, but it's always kind of an elephant in the room when, in order to save the day, they destroy Manhattan. Yeah. And so, like, that's the opening scene is like young Staley, Haley Steinfeld character is like her dad dies and her house gets blown up. Right. Because they were stopping evil. But right. it also ruined her life. And so, like, right. I'm okay with if they start to have a little bit of awareness of, of that. Yeah. Well, I mean. And also Clint having PTSD while seeing an actor portray Black Widow on stage. Yeah. It, it's it's interesting to to portray different sides of it, but it's also them just absolutely trying to mine absolutely everything in the MCU. Yeah. Okay. Well, how could, what's another take we could have on it? Oh, this girl's dad died in like Ultron or something. Right. And we're going to like introduce her. Well, and what they're doing is they're slowly trying to build the next Avengers. Right. Yeah. And so that's who, uh, this girl, I forget the character's name, Haley Steinfeld. She's going to be the new, hawkeye uh auxiliary yeah uh she was good absolutely it was very good and i'm trying to think of other examples right now but i'm not as uh in tune with marvel as you Mm. are shang chi Uh, shang chi well maybe that's a good example or like some of the they'll cherry pick some of the eternals or some of they're gonna cobble together a new band of superheroes that you will have spent enough time with that it doesn't feel like the avengers a sequel. It feels like a natural continuation, a progression of the overall MCU arc. Yeah. But in the meantime, as they develop those characters and as they build our trust within those characters, they have to continue to exist within the world that we already know and love. Yeah. So they have to constantly remind us that this is the place where Thanos was and the blip was. Right. And so, I don't know. I, I love that on top of the year and all it just said Thanos was right. You know what? I spent a while thinking about that. Yeah. Because I was like, that is something that would be graffitied in yep. this world. It feels like a Joe Rogany thing. Yeah. Right. It feels like a fake news kind of thing. Like Thanos was right. It's like a, it's supposed to be your kind of um, inflammatory. Totally. Well, it's the, tweet. the equivalent of like seeing like a, like a swastika or something. I guess. You're like, oh, what? You're co-opting this? Right. What I didn't realize is that everyone knows about Thanos. Yeah. 
So that was like, yeah, was Thanos that was like publicized. People that were like, heads up, Thanos is here. <laughs> well, like after the blip, when everybody sanded back to existence five years later, did like Tony Stark go on TV and be like, listen, so it was Thanos. It, I, did and I, they were like, oh, okay. Did you hear about the Thanos snap? <laughs> it was the snap and there was a glove and I died and it was a whole thing. Yeah. It was, and now you're all back. Uh, yeah. Haley Steinfeld was pretty good. I've never really had a place for her in the world. We watched her um, Emily Dickinson show. Yeah. I was going to say she was in Dickinson. I saw like a clip of it today. That's done, I think. Or maybe they're in the middle of their last season now. Yeah. Chloe uh, from Saturday Night Live is in this season. Of Chloe that. Feynman? Feynman. In like a serious acting role? I mean, no, I think in, it's not. In a, Dickinson. Yeah. It's like a comedy show, but like also she's not like doing a, a voice. She's like playing no, a person. I think she plays like a crazy medium or something though. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Opening credits in Hawkeye were really cool. Mm, kind of reminded me a little bit of the amazing opening credits in Catch Me If You Can. Just like oh, these yeah. two-dimensional yes. shadow people. Yeah, I know what yeah. you mean. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, I don't really have any other notes. Was it fan? Two episodes so far. Did you watch the second episode? I haven't watched the second one, but I kind of feel inclined to. Yeah. Like, I don't know if they're going to try with their TV series to have some more grabbable genres like they kind of did that certainly with wandavision which had a, like a specific kind of feel to it and everybody loved wandavision and it was like the talk of the town yeah and then very quickly mcu shows kind of started to feel like a dime a dozen and maybe the problem with that was falcon winter soldier right because it really didn't feel special nobody talks about it no loki got kind of interesting again but by that point i was bored yeah and so I really feel like I'm going to have to force myself to watch Hawkeye, who, by the way, I never cared about to begin no, with. No, that's a tough one if, yeah. you, if you were already in a place. Of, but you you know what? One thing that's going for you, you love a good uh, a holiday special. I sure do. And so if we're kind of weaving that into it, yeah, then it's like it's timely. You right. don't want to watch this after Christmas. No, you're right. I, I, I like that it kind of feels like it's now. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. No, I think I will keep watching it. Why not? Nice. So you give it your S. I give it my ass regardless of whether I keep watching it. I think it was good. Yeah. And I think I think Steinfeld is a big part of that. Yeah. Renner, we're going to have to uh, reserve our judgment for. Give me Maybe more Cardellini. Some... I love her. Totally. Yeah. Cardellini. Um, I wondered if Haley Steinfeld is actually a martial artist or if the mask really helps disguise her body double. Because like, she's really good at fighting already. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine. She's a true talent in the dojo. <laughs> yeah. in your experience from what i've seen in your local dojo mm -hmm. big movie star Haley steinfeld is always top of the class of course i'm speaking of the the dojo within us all right mm -hmm. in the in her first uh in the reveal of her like once we've aged back up and she's like got a bow and arrow for some reason yeah she she's doing this thing with her friends where she's like standing on top of a tower and she's shooting arrows at a bell tower across the street to yeah. like make it gong. She's clearly like a Hawkeye stan who ends up getting yeah. like a, a, a archery um, kit. kit. She, she tells her mom, I need a bow and arrow. And then we flash forward eight years. Right. She's like, mom, I won the world championships again. <laughs> and her mom's yeah. like, oh, I guess I'll fill that up in the trophy, trophy game. So it's just like a funny thing she's doing at night. Like similarly to how you might like hit golf balls out into a lake. She's hitting arrows into a bell tower and it's gonging. And then basically the, being like, bet I can make it gong. And then the bell tower collapses. Yeah. And the idea is that she's done something destructive. But to me, she just uncovered a very clear and present danger with the structural Seriously, integrity of this building. All you had to do is hit it with an arrow, <laughs> hit that or get the like little bell to be ringing without, uh, you know, 
without being prompted by yeah. whatever mechanism prompts it. Right. Then yeah, the structural integrity of that that clock tower, like thank God they did that at like two o'clock in the morning. Thankfully it wasn't some monk who went up there to manually ring the bell totally. and got crushed. Kids could have been studying in the quad <laughs> in the afternoon. This and... was her first act of heroism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> anyway, it was good. You give it your ass? Give it my ass. I thought it was pretty good. Yep. I thought it was I thought it was fine. This is um oh one of my favorite Will Smith, never trust Will Smith things i've ever heard oh i'm so excited i didn't think there was going to be like a good one with the book <laughs> being out yeah but there is currently twelve thousand signatures on a change.org petition uh urging the media to stop interviewing will and jada and stop <laughs> reporting on every little will and jada drama wow Twelve thousand signatures including yours truly <laughs> you signed it i had to because I of the show it. Yeah. i love it I'll, I'll do it too okay uh you didn't organize it though no, no no i don't know who did but somebody's mad about that all the will incredible <laughs> yeah. i could see it for like actually a name that we never talk about uh like britney spears yeah lately that's been a big thing with the but that's triumphant movie. right we're like yeah, i think so. will for some reason like we talk an awful lot about drama for him still still to be the king of the world right yeah absolutely but there's some nuance today's there. uh britney spears 40th birthday happy 40th she's finally over the hill <laughs> yeah <laughs> She's finally free again. So free again as she gets over the hill. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, it's, Jay's gonna have something to say about that. It's as well, such, by a, the way. such a travesty that she couldn't be free until she was forty. It's ridiculous. That's such a crazy age when you think about it. And it's an example of, like, this is on the back of us talking about the whole Taylor Swift thing a couple of mm. weeks ago. Like, it's it's it is an example of internet stands. Mm-hmm making a difference in a positive way. Like if they were able to shine a light on something that was just existing in the public, like right in the great wide open for years and years and nobody actually thinking about it enough to consider why it's problematic until they were able to drum up enough unity over how fucked up it was. And they were able to say, guys, you need to pay more attention to how fucked up this is. Totally. It Um, made a difference. It totally saved your life. It saved her life. They freed Britney. Um, you would you would really appreciate this uh, WhatsApp text chain that I was on today. <laughs> I ended up going into the. We, it was a a big like thing about your Spotify. You know how everyone's talking about their oh, most listened to. Yeah, thing. Anyways, our friend uh, Wrapped Spotify Wrapped Spotify Wrapped. Our yeah. friend uh, Brandon. We call him Biggie because the last name's Mac, so we call, like Big Mac. Yeah. Um. So he is like in the top two percent of. Uh, Swift listeners, apparently. Taylor Swift listeners. Wow. That's a lot because there's a lot of Taylor Swift listeners. That's what we said. I was like, is this all you're listening to? This is crazy, man. Like, how often are you listening to Taylor Swift? And um, someone, like, I I think kind of made fun of him. And then, like, someone quickly was like, hey, here's here's an adult take. Taylor Swift's a generational talent. And then everyone kind of just was like, let's analyze this and like talked about like that. And, and did you mention that I called her the Joni Mitchell of her generation? Joni. No, I wish I did, but I, I forgot that at the mm-hmm. time. Um, but we were talking about, we were talking about different things um, about whether she gets, this is what prompted everything. Alex said, spicy take Billie Eilish is a, like a, a more, how did he say it? Billie Eilish is a more interesting songwriter than Taylor Swift already. And we were like, you can't dunk on an entire career that has absolutely crushed yeah. with 
an album and a half because even her last album was like wasn't she does, really hasn't proven the endurance i'm not saying that she's not gonna be around in 10 years i'm sure she will but what i was saying was like it's like <clears throat> comparing like an nba rookie to lebron james but that happens every year every year there's somebody who's who like points out a rookie and they're like that's the next great one sure the next great one yeah but the fact that he said this person's already more interesting than LeBron James. Like that's yeah. impossible. You can't. You can't even compare. The that's two. I- that's ignorant, and that's a person who knows shake it off, and you belong with me. Right. And and so then we ended up going into like, I don't know. At one point, someone was talking about like gimmicks, and I was like, speaking of gimmicks, like Taylor Swift has actually worked the gimmick throughout her. She's she's, she's gone, in on the like, joke now. She's gone totally, and yep. she's gone from country to pop, country to pop to folk to rewriting her previous albums like she's she understands it like she gets it and i think someone thought that that was a knock on it but essentially it was just it ended up just being a bunch of guys being super positive about taylor swift and i thought you would just appreciate that i love it i love it so much and like by the way the nobody talks about uh the re-releasing of the albums for the hustle that it is because like it is good and principally it's nice that she gets to own her masters, which she always wanted to do. And like, then they'll be hers forever. It's not like she's ever going to own those original masters, although her fan base is so unique and that they'll never again on principle, listen to the old ones. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, that's fine, but it's not like she got poor from the first time she did them. No, no. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, so it's just an excuse to, fine to have way. a ton of album releases on songs that she doesn't have to write. And people are still excited about it. As and, ever. And Alex said something like, but I feel like we're celebrating something that's like popular where like, shouldn't we be like celebrating something that's more interesting and it's the Bre- wrong frame of mind and brent brent just <laughs> brent just quoted the the message and put alex discovers pop music yeah <laughs> just like yeah yeah why isn't radiohead more popular than insert the the most popular artist you just Bruno Mars. you can't approach it from whether or not the person is popular no you can't no and taylor swift is true it's true with britney spears it's true with Billie Eilish, it's true with Ed Sheeran, all of these people who are the biggest people in the world, their radio songs are not indicative of their talent. And, and they're popular for a reason. Exactly. Like, you can't take that away from them. Right. If, they are, if they're able to connect across cultures, across countries. Well, you certainly can't let that be the sole reason you don't like them. No. Because that's very boring. Totally. Yeah. 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 And I think that's kind of what, I think what it all boiled down to was like, at the end of the day, Taylor has done stuff, which none of us are probably even qualified to like even speak on it. But Taylor has done stuff that's like all of us having listened to folklore and she's done stuff that's just more interesting. And, you know, maybe there is a money making machine behind it, but she still controls what direction she goes in. She's also still creating art. She's totally like, she's and she's actually doing something that's more artfully true than ever, mm-hmm. having been liberated by her own totally. success. And she's not staying in the same lane throughout every it's, every it's not boring album. No. No. It might be a little it's kind of funny that it actually ends up being every album mm-hmm. that's different. You know, it's not like she's dabbling with certain sounds on the same album, but I'm fine with that. She, right, did, she, she goes has, for a vibe almost conceptually for every album. And also like a, a big part of the recipe is Jack Antonoff, especially totally. in her last few albums. Yeah. yeah. I want to see her do a full covers album of Dave Matthews songs. Man. That would be a zag. 
that would be a zag. <laughs> I wonder who she like actually if she did a, an album of covers, what they might be. I don't know. She's pretty eclectic. Yeah. Yeah, she'd be all over the place. I like the stuff she does with like Big Red Machine, which is like Bonnie Vare and um, uh, what's the other guy? I don't know, but I like them. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why you never trust Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Sign the petition. Sign the petition. Get out there. Make a difference. That's right. Rock the vote. <laughs> yeah. Never trust Will Smith. Believe in yourself. <laughs>